Today, our podcast, Women in Retail Talks, is coming to you live from our On the Road event in Dallas. And joining us today for this fantastic conversation is Wanda Gearhart Fearing. She's the Executive Vice President uh, and Chief Marketing and Content Officer of Cinemark Holdings. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you here, Wanda. I'm I've been wanting to have you come I know. We've for been talking about years. it for years. So <laughs> and Kathy great. helped us yes. uh, get put us together. But I feel like you're such a Dallas celebrity, actually. Um, so let's start a little bit with your background. Um, where did you grow up and who were some of your key influencers? Not I'm different than Sharonda. We, yeah. I grew up in South Dakota on a ranch, oh, on wow. a farm and a ranch. And I think, you know, family is what I've learned even in all of my uh, leadership, building teams, is get to know people and where they come from because it forms and it shapes who you are, right? My dad was probably one of my biggest influencers. Uh, just loved the land, had a passion for what he did, wow. hard work, perseverance, grit, it's not easy. We all had jobs as children. I was the youngest of five, so I became super competitive. Because <laughs> um, to get attention as the fifth child, you know, you had to go above and beyond. Right. So I think, you know, I got my competitiveness from that. I just got my curiosity for the world because growing up in South Dakota, which is a state of 600,000 people, right. um, you know, it can be lonely. Your brothers and sisters are your best friends. And we would take family two to three week driving vacations wow. because my mother had 10 brothers and sisters and my dad had eight. Oh my goodness. So you so go see family. We and... would take these three week driving vacations across the country. I always was the map reader <laughs> and I picked out all the exciting places to go visit. So I think it's just that wanderlust started yeah. started then when That's I was young. So cool. And what did your father do on the ranch? Did he have, did, was he a farmer or um, cattle? Registered Black Angus. Wow. He he raised some of the first organic beef and sold it to Whole Foods. Oh my God, that's yeah. so interesting. It's crazy. Wow, that's so cool. Pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so great. So interesting. Um, so that's going to sort of take me to my next question, which is how did you end up in the retail industry? I mean, coming from such an interesting background, maybe, you know, maybe you would have done something with agriculture or something. So tell us yeah, a little bit about so that. so it's kind of a long, security story. <laughs> so I went to University of Nebraska was recruited, became a finance major. So I always wanted to be an art or a music major. When right. my father was like, you will never make any money in the arts. <laughs> and he goes, so you need to do a business degree. So I became a finance major and then recruited off campus to work for Ross Perot Sr., a Dallas icon oh, at wow. EDS, a company in the late 80s. And I did finance and accounting and learned a program in Cobalt that doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. Yeah. And all of that was, you know, killing my inner creativity because I had to wear those black and blue suits of the late 80s. You all are too young to remember that. Um, but with the bow ties and the white shirts. And um, I really just, 
you know, it came to a point in that program for all the training, and I took it for the wanderlust because I got an international rotation. I lived in London. Oh, wow. And then at the point, you have to sign a document back then uh, to work another three years. It was like the military, where wow. you had to pay the company $25,000 back. And at 22, I was like, $25,000 is too much, and it's killing my creative side. Yeah. So I went and interviewed with Roger Horchow, and I walked into the building. People are wearing shorts and T-shirts. There's folk art on the walls. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> and no one had a computer yet. I'm like, they need me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went to work at Horchow. And the rest is history. But I think I liked, you know, I've always liked retail because it got that business and creative, creative side is what I like it. about it. Like, right. In college, I worked at Ben Simons, a department store in the mall, and I did the visual merchandising of the windows wow. and all the displays in the store. And then I one day was in the mall when I was working on windows, and I saw a limited brand window campaign, and it was for Outback Red, if anyone remembers that. Does anyone remember and that? And this amazing image. And I'm like, you know, someday I want to be the CMO there and do that job. And 11 years later, I was. Right. That's yeah. awesome. That's so cool. So um, now tell us how you, um, let's talk a little bit about your, your career in retail. So you just talked a bit about yeah. it. You've had so many positions at leading brands. So I'd love to um, hear some maybe leadership lessons that you learned over the years from your different positions moving up. Yeah. So in all my positions, I was the CMO of limited brands, EVP of marketing and merchandising at Design Within Reach. And then I did a president CEO job of a dot-com, uh, Travelsmith under oh. Barry Diller's IAC. Then I moved to Dallas and became the first CMO at Neiman's. But through all of those, those were a lot of lessons to share because sure. I worked for large companies, small companies, startups, and it all takes a little bit different leadership. But when you morph those things all together, and then when I joined Cinemark, it's, it's nice when you've worked in a, so many places because now I can take all those learnings and then you can kind of like put it on speed dial and <laughs> really, you know, get a lot more stuff done. So I think probably the primary, you know, it's a few handful of things. I think you know, set your vision and your mission for what you want to accomplish with your team early on, but don't do it before you listen to the organization. And I spent a lot of time, especially at Cinemark, I probably had one-on-ones with 75 different people right. across the organization in all different disciplines and all different levels to really understand what the issues were, what the direction was. I read all the past research. And then from there, I was able to set, what's my plan? What's the roadmap? So I wrote out for the board a three-year roadmap and what budget and what team it would take to do and what's that vision in the end state that that would look like. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the first thing. And then very quickly, while you're doing that process, um, assess your teams. I think you really have to get, I like to say, get the right people on the bus Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. We are all only as good as the people around you. I hire people that are much smarter than me. <laughs> That's another motto. And you really just coach them, nurture them, give them the tools they need to be successful, right? Because it's teamwork. Yeah. No one can do anything yeah. alone. And I guess the third thing would be cross-functional partnership. You know, And I had to learn that, honestly, as I went 
to all these different jobs in different organizations, you really can't get your work done unless your cross-functional peers are your best friends. You literally have to make the time to understand them on a personal level, understand what their goals are trying to accomplish, how do your goals that you want to accomplish tie in with their goals, so it's a win-win for everyone. But just, I can't stress that enough. You, no matter if you have all the other things, you will never succeed unless you can work well with your cross-functional department heads in your, in your yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, those are amazing. They all sort of focus on the power of important, the power and importance of communication and having good communication skills. Yeah. Um, but I do love the idea of, you know, you, you obviously come into a new company with a vision, but you really, it's most important to get, uh, to get the, the feedback and understand the company before you sort of force that agenda Down. on Yeah, right. So that's really interesting. And yeah, and I love the cross-functional teams too, because they're just as, they're, I know from my experience, they're as much part of your, of your team, you know, as, um, Right. As being a different department. You know, and so. as, you, as you go up in the ranks, you have to influence cross-functionally, right? Even though they right. don't report to you. Right. So how can you ask someone to believe in you or understand what your initiatives are if you haven't taken the time to understand what theirs are? Exactly. Right. Yeah, I just think that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Neiman Marcus actually coming here to Dallas. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so interesting that you were the, the company's first CMO. So they never had a CMO. No. Like, and did you, like, did you craft the role? Or tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, so um, part of it impetus was it was in the depths of the recession, yeah. 2009. I think ne uh, Neiman's had probably negative 30 comp store sales because luxury really took a dive. Yeah. And really, um, it was set up as all individual companies. A lot has changed since. But when I started, it was uh, .com and Catalog back then had their own president, their own marketing teams. Ah. Uh, stores, Neiman Stores had their own president, own teams, marketing, merchandising, planning. Bergdorf Goodman had its own teams. Last Call had their own teams. Uh, Horchow had its own teams. So they hired me to be at the Nima Marcus group level. And my job was they had stripped out, they had taken all the marketing strategy e-com people out of all of those organizations and just basically left merchandising and planning and store operations. And put all of those people, so like 350 people, um, under me. They did it two months before they hired me. And then um, they brought me in and they cut 20% of those people because it was the depths of the recession, mm. right? Brought this whole organization in together. And then I came in and none of them knew how to work together, what to do wow. because they had switched, right? And they no longer sort of had their pyramid heads to go to. So, you know, I spent a lot my first year, a lot of doing people in process, right? It's like, how do we get our work done? How do we support our clients? So it was kind of, you know, I had a, I reported to the CEO and then those presidents of all the brands reported to the CEO, but yet I controlled the marketing budget. So it was a lot of skill in negotiating. I had to negotiate across where we felt the best spend was of the marketing dollars across brands. Hmm. Negotiation is such a, a hot topic. Um, do you have any 
I'm sort of throwing you off here, but yeah. do you have any sort of best practices around negotiations or what to do? To... I learned a lot in that job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think what ended up, I've tried many different things. What ended up to be the most successful, because a lot of the, the negotiations came to, we were trying to be, and I'll get to this in a minute, but we were trying to be omni-channel. It's the very beginnings of omni-channel. Yeah. Because um, the dot-com Neiman's had separate inventory, separate buyers. Neiman's stores had separate inventory, separate buyers. So dot-com could have purchased way too much inventory in theory or events or 20 different brands. And the stores didn't. And dot-com wanted to put it at 30% off. And I'm like, well, the customer is starting to see us as omni-channel. Like, right. they're going to expect to go into the store and get the same discount. So it's kind of, um, so we started a cross-functional, you know, cross-brand promotional calendar. And it would literally get down to, um, you know, negotiating. I'd be like, okay. I would get both presidents on the phone. And I'm like, all right, so you want to take 30% off over here you don't have that much inventory. Is there a compromise? Right. Like, is there something you're worried about on inventories two weeks from now that maybe over here you want to help? So I think it's just bringing, you know, I've, I've learned to become really good at bringing people together and discussing problems because we both have the best, we all have the best interests because we all got bonused on NMG. Right, exactly. So, so let's try to find a solution that works for everyone. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so interesting. That must have been challenging. Um, so then you, you were at, uh, at Neiman for a while, and then you sort of moved into to consulting uh, for a little bit. So I'd love to get your, your perspective on that. I'm sure a lot of them, a lot of folks in the audience or maybe even listening um, think about consulting as a possible career. Um, what, what was that like for you? And so I, you know, I left Neiman's and I thought, I'm going to get on paid boards. I'm going to be consulting. This is going right. to be my new life, right? Um, I already was on one board and I did a lot of charity boards um, in Dallas. And, you know, I started down the co consulting path. I got a couple projects just with friends. And, but what I soon discovered is you, while you're working on your current project, you have to be constantly net networking for your next, next project. Because say that project lasts for two months, you're always prospecting for the right. future um, and networking. And then what it came down to, sometimes I would get too much work, so then I would have to hire subcontractors or I couldn't get the work done. And then pretty soon I'm like, I'm just running another department <laughs> in a company, so I should just go back and do that. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I would have had to have started my own business, hired people as employees, built that up, and then maybe sold it someday right. to a consulting practice. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? And I missed, I missed, um, being with team, your team and stuff? Yeah, I really miss starting a project and having a vision for it and seeing it all the way through to the end. Mm. So when you're a consultant, you can do your very best. You come up with the best strategies, and you, you hand it off. There's a, there's a ball there right. on some of it, and some of it they choose to do, and some of it they may not choose to do or you right. know I, I like seeing it all the way through I learned that about myself through right. that process 
Right. That's so true because you're just working on a specific project. You're not part of the entire solution right. to the problem that, they're, that yeah. they have. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so then you came to Cinemark um, and you're doing so many exciting things there. Um, when did you start at Cinemark? Uh, uh, 2018, January. Okay. Yeah. So I know that movie theaters had sort of a hard time during the pandemic. So yeah. um, I'd love to hear about how you were able to work around that because you were there right during the pandemic. Yeah, right, right? during. Very yeah. tough time for our industry and yeah. many industries. Yeah. Um, but I think coming through the pandemic made us all stronger um, together as a team. I would say there's probably three or four key things. One was two-way communication. We talked constantly to our employees and we talked constantly. I see some fellow Cinemark people nodding their heads. Um, we talked to our employees and we also talked to our customers and then we would tweak what we had approached from doing that, right? And then anticipating needs. We knew that, you know, movie theaters have big audiences, big auditoriums, lots of germs um, in those days, right? So we really implemented a whole I learned more about HVAC than I ever <laughs> want to know. You ever knew, um, but knew all of these clean and safety um, initiatives and came up with a campaign to talk to the customer about that. Um, frictionless journey, as almost probably everyone in this room put into place um, to buy your tickets and, and pick up your mobile concessions. Um, and then I think the other thing is innovation. It caused us to take things that were on the roadmap. One, we didn't have on the roadmap, but um, was an idea and a brainstorm, and it was to create private watch parties. Again, it was listening to the customers. They didn't oh. want to sit in an auditorium with all hundreds of people. So could I rent an auditorium, bring a bunch of my people in my bubble, and come watch a movie? So. From, in, from idea to the inception, I want to say only took us 10 days. Wow. We used the MarTech stack to solve it, um, and we were able to launch that product. So for $99, you could rent an auditorium. And that actually saved us, allowed us to keep our employees in, in, um, employed. Wow, that's amazing. Um, kind of amazing. And then we did mobile concession that had been on the docket. It was on my docket when I started in January 2018. I'm like, they should be able to buy their concessions online. But it really forced us as a company to do it and get yeah. it done. And then I guess the last thing is um, what I talked about, one of the most important things in the organization, cross-functional communication. Yeah. I think it really forced us, I think, uh, myself and all of my peers and I think all the levels below all have a different level of respect for each other mm. I think when you go through uh, a crisis like that and, right. and we all communicated on you know two or three hour calls <laughs> two times a week um, and through all of that and we brought back um, alternative you know content retro content we had private watch parties we just made up events and things so we could keep talking to our customers, yeah. right? And all this communication. And really what was great about it is we were able to keep our um, general managers at the theaters employed, most of the home office, um, some field staff. But we paid the variable cost of those people we were able to cover right. and burn less cash than had we shut our theaters down. And some of our competitors shut our theaters down. And, and because we took this proactive people um, stance, we really were able to gain market share coming out of it. 
That is such a great idea. It makes so much sense, yeah. you know, having a private party. Um, so, and you have an interesting role there. I know you sort of, um, you're not only dealing with the marketing for the actual um, movie theaters, but for the studios. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? So what are some like interesting projects you're working on? Probably something with Barbie, I'm sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I run uh, content and marketing. So if you equate that to the retail world, it's probably similar to planning, merchandising, marketing, right. and e-commerce functions is under me. So um, we work with Disney and Sony and Paramount, and in those studios we're negotiating which films are on the slate, um, how many theaters are they going to be in, how many screens. So it's like planning products on the shelves that you all do. Right. Um, it's not unsimilar. And, uh, um, and then we negotiate with all of the studios on the marketing dollars. We do co-programs. Are we going to bring um, Q&As before a movie, um, promotional mm-hmm. dollars? We sell our trailer time on our screens, those trailers you watch oh, yeah. before. So we sell those to all of the studios to market their movie and all of that advertising space. Right. Um, but really just trying to drive innovation with them and content, but create experiences also that get people out to see movies and um, package things together. We're doing a big... Uh, teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing you have to go see at West Plano. Um, take your children. It's really cool. We just installed that um, for that movie that's coming up. And, you know, Barbie. We did, yeah. We have the Barbie boxes. How many of you in here went to Barbie? <laughs> yes, quite a few. Quite a few. Um, did you take your picture in the Barbie box? Yes, yes, so we do. So we try to make, so, you know, we're on the mission to try to make it more experiential. So to get you out of the house and get, break that habit of streaming uh, during COVID. Right. um, You know, we're trying to up the ante with more food and beverage and you can buy a cocktail and uh, making it fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it is sort of a retail adjacent industry. Would you say like movie theaters? I mean, I was... I was interviewing for the job. A recruiter yeah. called me for the job, and he's like, there's this job at Cinemark, and I'm like, entertainment. And I was like, what do I know about the entertainment industry? And then he's like, well, think about it. It's retail. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Just, <laughs> I'm just selling movies, popcorn, right. Right. candy, right. product, merch. So it's the same concepts apply yeah. um, to that. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. I, yeah. 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 Um, Speaking of fun, let's talk about the fun stuff. I can't believe we only have like five minutes. This has been so interesting. So I know you have a daughter, mm-hmm. and we talked about her. So tell me about her, what she's up to, and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, she's a powerhouse in her own right. I'm a proud mother. She yeah. is 21. She goes to Vanderbilt. She'll be a senior this year, and she wants to go to law school. So I had a really interesting experience with her. She's writing. She was picked as the honor student for her American Studies degree. She's a double major. And she gets to write a paper with her um, professors, and she'll be a published Vanderbilt author when she's out. And the paper is about women in leadership. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that interesting? And then her professor, she started working on this paper last semester, and... The professor um, called me, and the whole uh, class did a case study on me and my career, which was oh, really yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> such a full circle. Um, yeah. So you know, when 
when I talked to her class, um, she's like, wow, mom, I never knew you did that. <laughs> I'm like, you never listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it was a fun, a fun experience. But she uh, wants to be a lawyer, and she'll go on, and maybe yeah. she'll be eventually president of yeah. the United States. I yeah. think it's one of her goals. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then I know you um, recently got married. Yeah, or four, it's been four years, right before COVID. So okay. I feel oh, like okay. yeah. to like a, I guess he's like a well-known restaurateur yes. in Dallas. Uh -huh. So why don't you tell us a little yeah. bit about him? So I married a celebrity <laughs> chef, Dean Fearing. Um, Does everyone know who he is? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the Ritz, he has Fearing's. Probably been to the Rattlesnake Bar. Um, I have to say, I have never cooks a meal in the last four years. Wow, like you're the lucky. Best, <laughs> the best thing that happens, and uh, we get to go to a lot of amazing uh, food events and just um, activities, but yeah, he's And he awesome. like invented tortilla soup, right? Yeah, he's known as the South, the godfather of Southwestern cuisine. Yeah. He, in, he brought in like all of the ingredients um, um, from the Southwest, like, you know, Chipotle is using cilantro now. He's like, I made that. Mass. <laughs> Been there, done that. I brought that to the United <laughs> States and made that in the food to broad right. America. Um, but yeah, so it's been great. That's awesome. I love being, uh, my ex-husband was a CFO, so I went to the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have just three rapid fires. Yeah. We only have four minutes. This has been so fun. Um, Number one, what is your leadership philosophy, if you had to use one word? Oh, gosh. <sighs> Let me think. Um, I think uh, be your own advocate mm. and be good to people. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Um, what would you say is your superpower? Intuition and bringing people together. I think I've learned over the years you have to bring teams of people together to solve problems. Yeah. So and true. having a good intuition about where the customer's going, right? And just, I'm a student, so when I shop with my family, they're like, do you ever relax? Um, because I'm in a store and I'm like, oh, that display is so terrible. Right. They could be doing this <laughs> so much better. And um, so I'm just always a student. Every time I'm out anywhere, I look at the design. I look at how they display things. I'm inventory. Yeah. I can't help myself. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then finally, what's next for you? What's, what are you what are your looking forward to this year, next year, personally, professionally? I'm going on a food tour with my husband. Oh my God, that's amazing. We're going on a really small uh, ship and we're hosting and we're going to the Greek islands and Turkey and Italy and Sicily. There's oh still a couple God. spots available if anyone <laughs> wants to come along. It's going to be fun. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Thank you so Thank much. You. It was so great to chat with you, yeah. finally. Thank okay. you. <laughs>